This episode of the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast is brought to you by Hamilton, a value-add investment and development firm in Nashville, Tennessee, focused on bringing passive real estate investment opportunities directly to your inbox. Visit www.investwithhamilton.com invest to sign up for upcoming investment opportunities. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast. It has been so long since I have been with you all. I'm excited to be back here today. Uh, gosh, it's probably been several months since we actually really recorded anything. We had a lot going on this year with the, uh, the course that we finally got out. Felt good to get that out into the world, that is for sure. And um, if you want to check that out, it's the, the Beginner's Guide to, uh, to Commercial Real Estate Investing. Um, we spent over a year putting that together, and I'm really excited to actually have that out in the world. Um, you know, I, I put that together based on a lot of feedback that I was getting from a lot of our uh, audience here um, on YouTube based on what you all were looking for when it comes to commercial real estate investing. You know, the, the videos are great, uh, but it's even better to be able to uh, dive in and actually learn. So that was, that was fun. I, I really enjoyed putting that together, and we're hoping to put some more courses out here soon. So that's, that's one of the reasons why uh, I haven't been on here uh, in a little bit. Uh, another reason being um, I actually took the last 30 days off. I haven't taken time off since I started my company, The Cobble Group, back in February of 2018. Uh, I've taken time off here and there, but you know, when you are get into commercial real estate, uh, if you have my personality, you just love driving and, and really going all for it. So uh, it's been uh, a fun few years, but especially after the pandemic and everything that we were able to pull off, then I decided, you know what, uh, we're going to need a little bit of time uh, to relax. So bought a farm uh, back in August, uh, not far from my office, which is actually pretty great here in Nashville, and spent a lot of time uh, out there uh, working on the farm and, and doing some woodworking. It was good. So uh, excited for 2023 to be diving into even more commercial real estate content for you all. You know, that's one thing that um, is on the top of my priority list for this year. Want to make sure that we're delivering even more to you all. You know, it's uh, there's just not a whole lot out there. I think that we could be doing better. And, and so that's uh, one thing that I'm actively working on and making sure that we maintain consistency moving forward, whether that's these YouTube live streams, whether that's the YouTube interviews that go to the podcast, uh, or whether that's more educational and blog content. Uh, we're hoping to bring all of that to you all um, here pretty soon. Uh, today, we've got a pretty interesting one for you. I've had um, a handful of y'all reach out asking me my opinion on it um, regarding Matt on a Frio. We, on the brokerage side of what we do, we, we advise a lot of triple net investment clients. Uh, we talk about that a lot on this channel, uh, which I think is why y'all are asking my opinion on it, because Matt on a Frio was big into the triple net investing world. And uh, so I figured I would jump on, I wanted to take some time. You know, it, this the news came out in early December, uh, late November. I wanted to take some time to really uh, kind of just reflect on it, gather my thoughts, do some research, figure out, you know, what I think kind of happened and, uh, you know, be able to bring that to you all. And what I'm going to cover today is a little bit about, um, you know, who Matt Onofrio is, uh, and, and allegedly what he did. Uh, that is one thing that I will say before we dive further into this. These are allegations. Uh, you know, he has been indicted, uh, so charges have been made against him. Um, but I am a firm believer that everybody is innocent until proven guilty. So um, until uh, he gets his fair shake in court, uh, these are just allegations, and, and that's how we're going to talk about it today. Now, um, 
you know, I think I have a unique perspective when it comes to this because, you know, not only are we on the brokerage side, which it sounds like he was handling some kind of brokerage wholesale aspects uh, of his business as well. Um, but, you know, we, we invest. Uh, we invest in triple net properties. We also have, uh, well, I guess I personally have been involved um, in a partnership where one of the partners was um, fraudulent. He committed a massive amount of fraud, uh, which was crazy. I've never seen anything like that before. And, you know, I saw this coming from a mile away, um, or at least I have my suspicions about what was going on with Matt Onofrio, I think because I've been through that experience. And so I want to share that with you all um, in the hopes that, you know, if there is another person out there that is committing fraud um, or defrauding investors or banks or, or whatever they're doing in this industry, commercial real estate and real estate in general is unfortunately full of people like that um, that are just trying to make a quick buck and you know, they're willing to step over anyone along the way. Um, you know, hopefully that'll save you from investing with them or partnering with them or, you know, getting involved with them in any sort of way. So I'll tell you a little bit about my story first before we dive into Matt. This was a couple of years ago. Um, I guess it was 2019, uh, back when this happened, 2019, 2020, um, we were working on a, um, a syndication and one of the partners just kind of disappeared on me. And we were supposed to close the day uh, that I started, you know, kind of that he started, I guess, not messaging me. And it, and it really felt weird in my mind because um, he'd been very communicative before that. He was actually a partner in another deal of mine, my first building that I ever raised capital for. He was one of the two investors in it. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> excuse me, and he, um, he brought $50,000 to the table for that deal and helped bring in the debt and, you know, was, was kind of a partner, kind of a mentor, kind of a friend. Um, and it was great, right? It was a great partnership. Uh, we, were, we did well on that deal. So we started working on a second one together. He was always really well-dressed, well put together. He had kind of come up out of nowhere, right? It, he had had no presence before, really. Um, he just kind of popped up at a real estate investors event, um, started meeting everybody, networking as well as he could. And, you know, I, I remember meeting him the first time at this real estate investors event, and he was asking me about uh, flipping homes. And I was like, no, man, you, you need to just skip the home flipping and go straight into new construction. Here's how you do it. And kind of just walked him through what that process looked like and how much more profitable it could be and, and honestly less risky because you're building it new. You don't have to worry about what you're going to find behind those walls when you tear them out. And within a couple of years, he had made a pretty big name for himself. You know, he was developing some relatively good-sized projects. Um, you know, these are projects in the 2 to $10 million range, right? I mean, that, that takes a lot of experience and a, and a lot of uh, people kind of helping you up. And um, he, uh, so, so back to that second deal that we were working on where he just kind of disappeared the day before closing. The week leading up to that, he had stopped communicating consistently. It was sporadic. He wouldn't answer some of the questions that we really needed for title to get things closed. And he didn't, he ended up not showing up for closing, just didn't show up. And I told him the day before closing, I said, you know what, I'm not comfortable doing this deal with you because you are not communicating with me and I can't get into a partnership with somebody that won't communicate. So he said, okay, that's fine. He actually responded to that, which is kind of crazy. And, um, you know, we went towards closing. 
and uh, I was I represented him as the broker on this deal as well. And he didn't show up, um, so they moved closing to the next day. He didn't show up then either. Nobody could get a hold of him. Nobody could find him. He wasn't at his home. Uh, we moved closing again to the next day, tried again, nothing. Just absolute crickets. So here I am. You know, We've got all this money hard in this deal um, that I'm hoping to get back through closing. I'm hoping to get my commissions through closing. And also, it was just a good deal. You know, We wanted to get it done for the sellers. We wanted to get it done for us. I ended up having to call another investor uh, to come in. And he, he really saved the deal. You know, we ended up getting it extended about 30 days later, but he got it closed. And um, this gentleman that actually bought that deal was a partner with this guy as well, which is kind of why I called him. I was like, hey, you know, can't find my partner. Um, he's disappeared. And he was saying the same thing. He said, you know what? He's disappeared on me. He's doing the same thing on another deal. Uh, well, it turns out that this developer had committed a massive amount of fraud. He was, uh, he was forging signatures on documents and saying that investors were involved in deals when they weren't. He was um, double raising shares. So he would sell you know, a $50,000 share to you, and then he would sell a $50,000 share to me, but they were the same share. So how does that work, right? Well, you can imagine a Ponzi scheme like that is only going to work for so long before something happens. And he ended up... Um, taking the last construction draw on one of his developments uh, and ran off with all of this investor money. And by my accounts uh, and the conversations and anecdotes that I you know, heard, uh, it was well over five or $10 million um, that he made off with. It made pretty big news in Nashville. I, I couldn't believe that it actually, um, he never got federally indicted as far as I know, not really sure why or how he was able to get away with that. Um, but I've been through this process as well. And so you know, when, when all of that started coming out, um, he was a partner in one of my deals. And that was really concerning for us. And, uh, you know, not just for having somebody like that, even though he had disappeared at the decision making table, but also in a federal investigation, that project could get completely frozen and tied up into the investigation. And I didn't want that for me. I didn't want that for my investors. So we ended up selling the property to one of the tenants, washed our hands of it, uh, and walked away. Um, ended up being a, a de pretty decent deal. I think we, you know, we got our investors an 8% annualized return on that one. Wasn't the deal that we wanted because we had to sell it in two years instead of the five that we were planning. Uh, but again, sometimes you just got to play real estate defensively. And, and that's what we had to do here. So that's what, uh, that's what brings me over to Matt on a Frio. You know, Matt, let's, uh, I guess it'd be good for us to to dive into his his background first. If you're not aware of Matt, um, he was the founder of Wild Moose Ventures. This is actually from his website. He popped up on the scene uh, a couple years back, um, kind of seemingly out of nowhere. Sound familiar? Seemingly out of nowhere. Was a nurse anesthetist um, at the Mayo Clinic. Um, you know, clearly a very smart guy. And um, just rose to absolute stardom. I mean, he was, you know, worth, I think he was saying he was worth over 100 or $150 million within three years, right? He started in 2019. By 2022, he's worth $150 million. And that, to me, when I first heard him start talking about his net worth, was another massive red flag, right? He, um, it's just not possible in triple net investing to grow from zero to $150 million in net worth in three years. It's not possible. That's that investment structure, that investment vehicle is not set up in a way to make that possible. 
Triple net investments are essentially the bond of the commercial real estate market. They are a a safe haven for your capital. They're, they're, they're typically going to have lower returns because they are safer assets. They've got a 20-year lease with a high-credit national tenant, probably, right? I mean, that you can have all sorts of tenants in there. Um, but that's where you get these low cap rates and the stability from. And so then it becomes basically an arbitrage between the cap rate and the interest rate. So if your cap rate is higher than the interest rate, let's say it's a six cap and your interest rates are at 3.25%, like they were, you know, six, 12 months ago, well, that makes all the sense in the world. You're making a good spread on that, but you're also getting a significant amount of depreciation. It's just not possible if you're coming in and buying a stabilized asset to grow to $150 million in net worth in three years. It just doesn't work. Trust me, I, uh, it, the, the reason I started looking into him over a year ago is because I was like, man, this guy must know something that I just don't. I've been in the business for eight years. I invest in triple net properties. I'm not worth $150 million. Maybe this guy you know, just knows something I don't. Listened to a couple podcasts of his and immediately knew that something wasn't right. Because you know, when somebody talks in these very vague statements, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like what I call a Gary V syndrome. Just get out there and do it. Just believe in yourself. Just, you know, go to a mastermind and meet the right people. That's not actually actionable advice. And it's, and it's, it sounds good at a 30,000 foot level, but when you start thinking about it, like, and going to a mastermind doesn't buy me that much real estate. So we'll put that aside. Coming back to $150 million in net worth again, in three years, for you to have $150 million in net worth on real estate, you would have to have, you'd have to start off with almost $150 million in net worth because it's not going to grow that significantly over that amount of time. Most triple net investments can, you'll see, you know, two to 3% annual increases in rent. So basically his properties would increase a little bit. I mean, it's going to be more than two to 3% based on cap rates, but that's assuming that the cap rate holds strong uh, and continues to go up with that. So that means that he would have had to have bought well over a billion dollars worth of real estate. That just doesn't make any sense. Um, so, you know, I, I started looking through his website as well, and, and there's a couple of other things that don't make any sense to me at all here. Uh, you know, look, he's claiming $150 million in, uh, in net worth, and you can see here his assets under management are $200 million. So did he only take out $50 million in debt? What about his partners? How was he able to pull this off having no money? Because even though these loans are securitized based on the, uh, the creditworthiness and the building, uh, the creditworthiness of the tenant and the property, you still have to sign on it as an investor. They still have to go through and look at you and say, okay, if Walgreens stops paying rent tomorrow, can you afford this debt service? Um, so I just don't see how that's possible. 50 years of combined commercial real estate experience, I I'm not seeing that. You know, he said that he got into it in 2019. Even his advisor or chief operating officer here, Nicholas Perrone, um, says that he's got over a decade of, of experience. Uh, there's nobody else on the website. Now, one thing that I will say is he has tried to take this website down. If you go to the main page, it's not there anymore. Um, so maybe he took some people off of the website. Uh, but I just don't understand 50 years of combined experience. Also, I don't. side note, I don't like it when people say we have 50 years of combined experience. That doesn't doesn't actually mean anything. Like if we're being honest with ourselves, what does that mean? 50 years of combined experience. I mean, if you've both got five years of experience, you, 
That doesn't mean that together you have 10 years of experience. You'll see things in 10 years that you will never see in five. I don't know. That's a little side rant. Anyway, he, he got big um, going on all of these podcasts and just talking about how amazing his program was. Um, even made it to the Bigger Pockets scene. I mean, Bigger Pockets was, was promoting him left and right. Right. Because, you know, a lot of these real estate investing groups, they love to grab on to. And, and I've seen this here in Nashville, too, with real estate investing groups, just locally. You know, they like to grab on to the success story and promote that as, hey, this is what you can be. But the problem is this is so unrealistic. Uh, it, it just it's not even within the realm of possibility for this to happen. He had a book deal that he was doing with Bigger Pockets. It never came out. Um, that actually got people back in the fall questioning kind of, hey, where's the book? What's going on? Um, and Matt was also huge on social media. I mean, he was posting stuff left and right. Ever since he got indicted, um, he has, has has completely fallen off um, fallen off social media, which I think is a good thing, right? I mean, whether, whether he's uh, guilty or not, um, again, we're assuming innocence. Uh, you get into a situation like this, it's a good thing to just stop posting on social media, right? Just keep your mouth shut, go through the legal process and, and hope that you've got really good attorneys. Um, let's dive into, into the indictment. So this is actually from the, uh, the attorney's office in the district of Minnesota uh, for immediate release. Wisconsin man indicted for $35 million bank fraud scheme. Wisconsin man has been indicted for orchestrating a $35 million bank fraud scheme announced U.S. Attorney Andrew Luger. According to court documents, between 2020 and August 2022, Matthew Thomas Onofrio, 31, of Eau Claire, devised and executed a scheme to defraud multiple federally insured banks, including Mid, uh, Mid-Country Bank, headquartered in Bloomington. As part of his scheme, Onofrio operated a business entity called Northwoods Management LLC, which he used to market a real estate investing program for investors to acquire commercial properties. <clears throat> Onofrio allegedly engaged in several fraudulent acts as part of the scheme, including causing false information to be submitted to lenders financing investors' real estate purchases and altering purchase agreements to support higher appraisals of the properties. According to the indictment, Onofrio withheld information from the lenders, including the fact that he was lending money to the investors to help them purchase the properties and would temporarily wire funds to investors' accounts to create the appearance that they had more available assets than they in fact had. The charges seek forfeiture of more than $35 million seized in the investigation. Uh, he is charged with three counts of bank fraud. Um, he made his initial appearance um, on November 23rd um, in the U.S. District Court before Magistrate Judge Tony Loong. Um, cases were, the case is a result of an investigation conducted by the FBI, the IRS, and the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. That's a lot. Um, I mean, that's a pretty big deal, right? You can imagine uh, these groups would probably not be filing charges like this unless they had some pretty good evidence that some of this had happened, right? You know, falsifying um, any sort of documentation to a bank is, of course, a, is a line that you just do not cross as a real estate investor. You, sh you always are up front. You share everything. That's nothing that you ever want to do. Could something have happened on accident? Maybe, right? I mean, you know, maybe he got two appraisals and he sent the wrong one. And uh, I, it's just hard for me to imagine, though, uh, that you would be that laissez-faire about these massive deals that you're working on. 
right? I mean, that, that stuff is, is kind of important. Um, you know, the, the other thing is, you know, when it comes to the wire fraud, I mean, there's going to be a lot of evidence of that if it was true, right? I mean, all these banks have to keep logs of the wires that come in and out, how long this money was sitting there, where, where that money came from. Um, so, you know, it's going to be pretty easy for them to go back and find out if any of this was true, right? Or pretty easy for them to disprove if this is all, in fact, just a misunderstanding, right? But, you know, to me, um, again, those are lines that you do not cross, right? You just, you do not defraud banks. You do not um, scam people out of this, this investing. I mean, you know, lending, lending money to your investors to help them purchase properties. I mean, what I had heard, I've got some friends that are, are, are from, um, you know, the Minnesota, Wisconsin area. Uh, it's, it's a much smaller real estate community up there. Um, so a lot of people know each other. You know, what he was doing was, was sending these, these funds the day before. Um, he would actually put the property under contract. Again, this is all anecdotal, right? This is just what I heard from my friends that I called and that, that had um, had discussions with people that were involved. And uh, he would put it under contract in his name, flip it to an investor for, you know, one, one and a half, two, two and a half million dollars more than what it was actually worth. Um, and then he would wire them the funds to cover the amount and so that that investor could close on it the next day and he would take this massive fee from it um, and move on. So, you know, there's a huge gray area in real estate whenever you get into wholesaling as an investor and as a broker, right? I mean, if he was doing that, I don't know if he's a broker, but, you know, like in Tennessee, you can't wholesale and maintain a real estate license. It's actually against a lot of the rules and regulations here uh, because it creates a, a, um, a misalignment of interest between the parties, right? I mean, somebody has an interest to screw somebody else over to make a lot more money. Um, and that's just not how, how business should be done. So, uh, you know, that, that's a pretty big one. Let's dive into this other article here um, that we've got. Uh, this one's from Market Watch. Um, turns out a real estate guru peddling the deal of a lifetime was really a fraud. Um, so this one's going to have a little more color on him. It's not as just legal, uh, for, you know, for the indictment. Uh, Matt Onofrio claimed that he'd cracked the code on commercial real estate, but is accused of fleecing inexperienced investors and banks. Uh, if someone promises you the deal of a lifetime, it's probably not a good investment. I've been thinking about this for the last 30 days since I took time off. If anybody comes to you and claims that they have the answer, they have this secret that is going to help you make millions, it's probably a lie. Like right off the bat, right off the bat, you hear that, walk away. It's not even worth investigating any further because the chances of, some, of one person having figured this out when there are some of the smartest people in the world running these massive hedge funds, uh, and this guy to come to you with the secret, like, hey, I've got the way to make all the money, here it is. And it's interesting because he chose an asset class, uh, commercial real estate, and a specific niche in that that's really, really small, triple net investing, that a lot of investors don't have very much knowledge on, right? They don't understand that because most of the real estate education out there is on residential and multifamily. Right. And so if you've got a guy that says, hey, here's how you do this, here's how you make the money. And then he kind of shows you how you make some money. Um, it's going to be very easy to believe if you really don't understand what's going on. It's like in the fitness industry. Right. When somebody comes out, some some trainer says, I've got the perfect routine, you know, fitness routine for you to do for you to lose weight or gain muscle or get a better six pack. People have been trying to do that for 100 years. 
for one person to just come out and have some sort of secret physical fitness routine or diet or whatever, it just, it, it's not going to work. Right. Um, anyway, uh, that's what finance guru, Matt Onofrio, who sold a program claiming to have cracked the code on commercial real estate, promised inexperienced investors looking to strike it rich. But prosecutors say it was all fraud aimed at lining Onofrio's pockets. The 31-year-old native of Eau Claire, Wisconsin, appeared on investing podcasts and at conferences with a compelling tale. He said he had walked away from a promising career as a nurse anesthetist when he discovered a real estate strategy known as triple net investing, through which he had amassed a portfolio worth over $150 million in just three years. So here it's saying that he had amassed a portfolio of $150 million. Um, there are other articles, and I'm pretty sure on podcasts, I heard him say he was worth $150 million. So what, that's a pretty big inconsistency there, right? Just because you own $150 million does not mean you have a net worth of $150 million. Uh, you've, got, you've got all your liabilities that you have to net out of that, right? And if you're only putting 25% down, you might own 25% of that $150 million, depending on how you were able to do it. Another thing that I heard him talking about on a podcast, which I thought was wild, and I couldn't believe that he um, was at least, I don't know, touting this method. He would go out to a bank and get 80% debt, which, you know, sometimes you can get 80% loan to value on a triple net investment. It's rare, but it's not entirely uncommon. Typically, banks want to see you put, bring 25%. But let's assume he was able to get 80% down on these properties. He would get the seller to carry a note for 15 to 20% of the property. So, you know, in a best case scenario for him, he's got two loans and he doesn't have to bring any cash to the table to close. Uh, in a worst case scenario, he's got to bring 5% equity down. So he's bringing these investors in and doing whatever. Most banks absolutely will not allow you to do that. Any reputable bank, they just won't do that because they want you to have skin in the game. If you don't have any money in it, there's another loan in there. If they have to go foreclose on it and you've got a second lien on the property as well, then they have to deal with that. They don't ever want to deal with that. Most commercial loan documents will have in there that you have to get a, any, any additional liens on the property approved by them or else you're in default of the loan. Now, every loan document uh, can vary, but that's pretty typical, right? And so to come in and bring no money to the table on a lot of these deals, and that's how he grew to this net worth so fast, it's just, man, I would love to be able to pull that off. What a great strategy that would be. It's just not really realistic. So, uh, you know, I, I, just, I just thought that was really interesting. He was talking about how he just never brought any money to these deals. Oh, let's see. Between 2020 and August of this year, federal prosecutors in Minnesota say Onofrio had ripped off numerous banks to the tune of $35 million by roping investors into a complex web of quick flip real estate sales, fraudulent mortgage applications, and doctored appraisals. In a statement, Onofrio's attorney, Marsh Hallberg, said none of his clients' investors had been hurt financially by their investments. The defense is aware of very few, if any, transactions where the investors have suffered actual losses at this time. We believe most of the transactions with Mr. Onofrio still maintain a positive cash flow and or increase in the value of the property that was purchased. A civil suit filed this year involving a radiologist from Puerto Rico named Matthew Herman, who wanted to get involved in real estate investing with his wife, laid out how Matt Onofrio operated. The suit said the pair met at a networking conference in Colorado in 2020 and hit it off while discussing real estate opportunities. 
Herman said he was hoping to build up a real estate portfolio that would provide him with enough income that he would stop working. We talk to investors that are like this every day, right? There are so many high earners out there that just want to get into real estate, right? Real estate's a super popular industry. So of course, there are going to be a ton of people out there that don't have experience for con men to take advantage of. That's why I think it's so important for people to, to listen to this YouTube channel, listen to my podcast, listen to all of the other YouTube channels and podcasts and read the books that are out there, educate yourself and be sure that you really trust the person that you are placing capital with. Whenever we work with limited partners on our syndications, I tell them, you know, if, if they're not in Tennessee, we have, we have investors all over the country. I'm like, look, I, I would love to meet with you next time I'm in your area. I'll give you a call because I, I don't want them investing that much capital with me without knowing who I am. They shouldn't, I, I don't want them investing capital with me if I don't know who they are, right? It's just, a, it's a, there's something about these deals where having a true personal relationship means a lot. Um, and if you don't, if you meet somebody one time at a conference, you probably shouldn't give them a lot of money. Herman said in core papers that Onofrio offered to bring him into the deal of a lifetime involving a commercial property for sale for $6.3 million in Minneapolis. All Herman had to do was come up with $1.5 million for the down payment. <coughs> let's, uh, let's actually run the math on that real quick. I want to see what the loan to value is. $1.5 million, about a 6.3. So that's 24%. That is a number that actually makes sense for the down payment. Onofrio told Herman that he won't get to his goal of leaving his job by buying duplexes. Th Look, that is actually true. It will take you forever to make any money investing in duplexes uh, passively to, to replace your income. Um, hey, well, there we go. We found one, one positive uh, diamond in the rough here. Onofrio told him that this will light the gas on the fire of where you need to go. Uh, he told Herman that this is all about mindset. Oh, man, it's all about your mindset. I love that. It is all about your mindset. But again, like whenever you're you're hearing somebody that just talks about like, you just got to get your head right. You just got to believe in yourself. You know, to a certain extent, that's true. But I, I've just never subscribed to that type of education or encouragement or mentality. It's like, yeah, I mean, one, yes, of course, you should believe in yourself. But let me show you how to do this so that you feel confident in yourself and being able to pull it off. Right? That's why we have this channel. It's why we have so much free education out there. When Herman said he didn't have that kind of money available, Onofrio offered to lend it to him so he could secure a bank loan for the purchase, and Herman agreed. What Onofrio didn't say was that he had already reached a deal with the owners to buy the building for $4.75 million, and that the difference was going into his pocket. Herman was then stuck paying nearly $6,000 a month in loan payments to Onofrio in addition to his bank loan. Onofrio pushed Herman, a novice with real estate, into this purchase with grand promises of the deal of a lifetime. The reality, though, was that Onofrio was the one assured to make money on the deal, not Herman. Herman later tried to sell the property and said he found a buyer willing to pay $6.3 million for it, but the deal fell through due to litigation surrounding Onofrio's loan. Herman's attorney didn't respond to a message-seeking comment. Federal prosecutors described a similar pattern with Onofrio allegedly placing his own money into investors' accounts to make their finances look better to lenders and also fabricating appraisal documents to inflate the value of properties. In one deal in 2021, a Minneapolis commercial property was sold three times in just five months, passing through more than one business entity Onofrio controlled. More than one entity. That's, okay, look, that's not 
that's also not uncommon, right? I mean, there are reasons for you to buy in one entity and then quit claim to another entity. You just typically don't do it in a five-month period, right? You'll see that happen a lot if somebody's estate planning, right? I've got it in this LLC and, you know, I want to make sure, I want to leave this one to my son. So we're going to quit claim it to another LLC that I also have a partnership in, but, you know, my son, whatever it is, right? Uh, that's just not very common in five months. By the end of the string of transactions, the price had jumped nearly $4 million. Whew, it's rough, man. Uh, it's, it's rough. I, I hate seeing stuff like that because, you know, it just, um, it's every, every bad stereotype that people have about real estate investors and commercial real estate investors um, comes true in a situation like this. And, and you know, you can't, um, you can't fault um you know, real estate investment groups for wanting to promote something like this, because it does help people understand that, hey, maybe we can, uh, you know, become like this. But man, I, I just wish people would do a little more due diligence um, before they go out and promote people like this. I'm sure at some point, I could be guilty of having someone on this podcast that ends up being somebody that's unsavory, right? So I, I know it's it's not always that easy. Um, but man, there, there were a lot of red flags along the way. You know, somebody coming out of nowhere, I mean, no matter how intelligent they are uh, and growing from zero to $150 million, and even if it's just in assets, I mean, that, not, even, not even close. You couldn't do that in three years unless you had a billionaire backing you or just some crazy fund um, and you were making them a ton of money. So, you know, be safe out there. Make sure that you're doing your due diligence when it comes to these investments. Uh, you know, talk to people that have invested with these individuals before. Get out there and look at their projects. Um, talk to their lenders, right? I mean, you know, if, if you really want to get into it, talk to their lenders, um, you know, whoever they've got deals with. Um, I mean, again, if somebody looks too well put together, I mean, that's coming from a guy that's sitting in his office wearing a baseball cap, a beard, and a T-shirt. Uh, so uh, I guess it could swing both ways. But if somebody just comes off as, like, too good to be true, everything they're saying is too good to be true, they seemingly came out of nowhere, and now they've got the secret, um, and, and they're telling you things that you feel fall in a gray area, it probably isn't a gray area. Get your attorney to review everything and make sure that you are protected. Uh, anyway, uh, appreciate you guys jumping in and uh, listening to, to my thoughts here on Matt Onofrio. I guess we'll see how this one plays out. Um, over the next few months to a year, you know, these, these court cases tend to take quite a bit of time and, uh, yeah, looking forward to a good 2023 with you all, uh, next, uh, YouTube live we'll be doing on Tuesday. We always do them Tuesdays at 2 PM central standard time. If you want to jump in live, uh, next week, I'm going to be going through the urban land institutes emerging trends for 2023. I uh, went to that presentation back in December and yeah, I think it was early December, uh, pretty fascinating. I mean, Nashville is just dominating it, which is really fun. But um, it's a very interesting landscape out there right now. So uh, there's uh, there's a lot to, to, to be on the lookout for for commercial real estate in 2023. So appreciate it. And we will see you all then. Thank you for listening to the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast brought to you by Hamilton, your resource for passive real estate investment opportunities. Visit www.investwithhamilton.com to start building your passive real estate portfolio today.